Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known as Sean's Sports Stop, where I, Sean Teklutsky, report the biggest and baddest news stories in sports and cover the news results and future matchups of the LA sports teams. It is Thursday, December 6, 2018, and I'm coming at you from Los Angeles, California at about 9.20 p.m. Pacific time, um, 12.20 a.m. Eastern, for those of you wondering, on today's episode, lots to cover. Um... A key piece to the Boston Red Sox's uh, formula for winning the World Series this season has re-signed with the team. Uh, Duke has land Duke Duke's basketball program has landed yet another another five star uh, recruit. Um, the college football awards are going on. Uh, Ruben Foster's ex girlfriend appeared on Good Morning America and has said some things, some not very nice things about. Foster, an update on Alex Smith after he broke his leg a couple of weeks ago. It's not looking good for him. Um, Brandon Ingram uh, is injured for the Lakers. Uh, what else do we have? The New York Mets general manager says that Tim Tebow will be in the major league sooner rather than later. So, And uh, lot, uh, many other stories, but that's uh, those are some of the big ones. But before I get into that, every episode of this podcast, 1 through 190, is available on every podcast platform, which includes iTunes and Spotify. If you would like to help Keep it going. Please donate whatever money you can. I pledge to use whatever money that you donate for the only purpose of making this podcast better. So just keep that in mind, you know, when you're considering it. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Also, uh, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Crimson IT, and they are a Los Angeles-based managed IT company that is proud to sponsor Sean Sportstop and impact the next generation of talent. Their mission is to leave a positive legacy for future generations who will in turn positively impact the talent that will follow them. And uh, that's not all. They deal with cybersecurity and things like that. And I'll give you the full uh, gist of what they do here in a second. They, I use them. I'm very, very happy with their services. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I love using them. And, um, yes, and on today's episode, there's a lot to talk about. And, um, yeah. That's all I have to say, but uh, Crimson IT is a Los Angeles-based managed IT company that specializes in ultra-reliable and highly secure IT services for the small and medium-sized companies. If you would like to see if any of your company email passwords have been stolen on the internet, reach out to them. And for listeners of my podcast, since I love you guys so much, they will run a free scan on the dark web for any information related to your company that has been leaked, stolen, or sold. Crimson IT can be reached at 310-838-3700. Again, the 310-838-3700, or visit their website at crimsonit.com. That's C-R-I-M-S-O-N-I-T dot C-O-M, crimsonit.com. So check them out. And um, switching gears to what I came on, um, what I started recording for, the actual news and sports. The first story has to do with the Boston Red Sox and the MLB. So Nathan Evaldi, the pitcher, has agreed to a new contract with the Boston Red Sox, according to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic. Uh, it is for four years and 60 67.5 million dollars according to Mark Feinsand of MLB.com. He had a last season excuse me he had 22 appearances with the Boston Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays and he uh, accumulated a record of six and seven with a 3.81 ERA. Um, he had a 1.13 whip which is walks hits and walks and hits per innings pitched 101 strikeouts in 111 innings. He had a great season with Boston especially after he got traded from Tampa Bay. He went 3-3 with a 3.33 ERA with 48 strikeouts and 54 innings, and he was stellar in the postseason. A big reason why 
uh, the Boston Red Sox ended up winning the World Series, beating my Los Angeles Dodgers in the in that World Series. He went, I forgot how much it was, but he, had, he went seven or eight innings in extra innings in game five against the Dodgers when the Dodgers walked it off on a Max Muncy home run in the 18th inning, I believe it was. So overall in the postseason, he went two and one with a 1.61 ERA, 0.81 whip, and 16 strikeouts in 22 innings. Uh, and it's, it was a great season for him, especially after he, uh, missing the entire 2017 season because he was recovering from Tommy John surgery and the effects that you know you get from that. And um, just a summary of his career, he actually began with the, with the LA Dodgers in 2011. He was then traded to the Miami Marlins in 2012. Then he was traded to the, to the New York Yankees at around 2015 and then signed with the Boston Red Sox. So that's that. Congrats to him, and it's well-deserved. He was very good and came up clutch for the Red Sox in the postseason when it really mattered. Now switching gears to college basketball, Vernon Carey, who's a five-star recruit, was, has, commit, has committed to Duke. According to Chris Solari of the Tr- Detroit Free Press, He by 247 Sports right now, he's ranked number two uh, player in the country in the 2019 class. And a huge pickup for Duke, you know, yet another five-star pickup. And not much else to say. The rich keep getting richer. Now switching gears to the NFL, uh, Ruben Foster's ex-girlfriend, Ellis Ennis, appeared on Good Morning America on ABC and discussed the alleged assault. So she said that he slapped and pushed her and that she suffered a concussion. Um, this is according to Julia Jacobo of GMA, Good Morning America. The Redskins then claimed Ruben Foster day, only, day, only a few days after he was arrested for domestic violence, Ennis noted she was, quote, shocked. She also said that she was not um, truthful, truthful after the, their first incident that became public knowledge. Uh, and she said, she, so she, what happened was she accused them of domestic violence. And then when, author, when the police came to their house, she lied to them. She's alleged, supposedly now she's saying that she lied to them at the time and that he really did assault her that time because she thought that he would change. She said, quote, I did what I had to do for the person I love. I I thought he would change. Also, she also said that she was assaulted by him three times previously. So obviously a very toxic relationship. And it's good for both of them that the relationship is over. I mean, I'm not saying that she's making things up, but it's possible. So if she is, it's uh, good for Reuben Foster as well to move on from this kind of relationship and situation. But I doubt that she is. I tend to be indifferent on these kind of things, but. You know, he said multiple allegations and things like that. He was arrested. He was charged with it. So, you know, I'm siding with her a little bit, but not much else to say, at least for me. Now switching gears to college football, transitioning to college football. Kyler Murray uh, has been named the AP Player of the Year. Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa the quarterback from Alabama, and Dwayne Haskins, the quarterback from Ohio State, uh, got second and third. This is according to Eric Olson of the Associated Press. Uh, Oklahoma quarterbacks Baker Mayfield in 2017, Sam Bradford in 2008, Jason White in 2003, and um, Josh Keppel in 2000 uh, have won the associate the um, AP College Football, College Football Player of the Year award. So five Oklahoma players have won the award. No other college has more than two winners of this award. So pretty impressive there. Now switching gears to the NFL, an update on Alex Smith, the Washington Redskins quarterback. He is dealing. He is now dealing with an infection. In his leg after surgery, after he uh, went through surgery for a broke for the broken leg that he suffered in a uh, November 18th loss to the Houston Texans, quote, it's premature to say what this means for his playing future, but it is being handled with care and dealt and um, dealt with seriously by doctors. Um, this is what Ian Rapport of NFL.com wrote. And um, I don't really have much to say, but I wish him the best in recovery. Um, 
He was an above-average quarterback in his career, and you know he was the starting QB for the San Francisco 49ers, then the Kansas City Chiefs. But then the Chiefs got Patrick Mahomes, and uh, he moved on to the Washington Redskins since they moved on from Kirk Cousins, who signed with the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, at the end of the day, just looking looking at it from a human perspective and not ta- not thinking about sports, you just want the man to get healthy, whether he's on a rival team or not, whatever team he's on. You want the fellow human, the fellow member of your same species to to get healthy and to not be injured, to not be hurting. So I just wish him the best in his recovery, and that's all I have to say. Now switching gears to uh, the NBA, more recoveries here. Uh, this has to do with my Lakers, though, so this hits close to home, so to speak. So the Los Angeles Lakers forward Brandon Ingram will miss uh, the will not be on the road trip with the team after spraining his ankle in a 121-113 win over the San Antonio Spurs. That game was last night. So he will miss games uh, at the San Antonio Spurs. That's the Lakers' next game. And the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, according to Mike Trudell of Spectrum Sportsnet. And he will undergo, and uh, Brad Turner of LA Times reported that he will undergo uh, a precautionary MRI. <coughs> Excuse me. So what happened was, I was watching the game, so I actually saw it firsthand. Uh, he landed on LaMarcus Aldridge's uh, foot uh, in the first quarter of the game. X-rays uh, came back negative, but he was in crutches after the, the um, incident. But he did tell ESPN's Ramona Shelburne, quote, I feel way better than I should. So that's encouraging and uh, some positive signs there. Uh, but you had coach Luke Walton said, quote, there's no timetable or anything like that yet. But they said he, uh, he, he got it pretty good. I'm assuming that he's referring to how bad his ankle injury was. LeBron, Luke Walton said LeBron James and Lonzo Ball will probably get more uh, minutes. So far this season, Brandon Ingram is averaging 15.2 points and four rebounds in 20 games. So he's improving gradually. It's uh, This season is third season right now. So, so he's looking better and better, especially now. He hasn't really fit in with LeBron James just yet. But he's um, making progress, and that's all you could kind of ask for him. Ask him. I think nowadays, uh, NBA fans expect too much of rookies and second-year players. You know, people. Um, you know, there's Markel Fultz, someone like that, who uh, people label a bust because he isn't performing to their expectations. The seventy, the Philadelphia 76ers have players like Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, uh, JJ Redick. So all of a sudden, when a guy like Markel Fultz, who's in his second year in the NBA, isn't performing like those guys. You know, the fans, um, especially the bandwagon fans, they see all the other guys performing really well. And this guy, Fultz, who's the number one overall pick, he's kind of underachieving. They all, all of a sudden, op, like, automatically label him a bust. But, you know, a report comes out that he had a, a nerve injury in his shoulder. So people were saying that he had the yips, that it was mental, not physical. So anyway, my, my point is, a lot of times, it's um, it's just not what it seems. It's not what it seems on the surface. Don't don't judge a book by its cover. You know, the the how the old saying goes. But my underlying point is, uh, I I feel like young players in the NBA, especially in the NBA, more so more so than any other sport, really get judged a lot harder or a lot harsher than they should. They need more time to develop. Look at Kyle Kuzma. I guarantee. He, so his situation was he he uh, went to the University of Utah, and he spent four years there or three years there, and he graduated early. He was on an accelerated program. He got his degree. He developed three years in Division One NCAA basketball. And by the time he got to the NBA, his rookie season, he was much more developed than, say, someone like Lonzo Ball, his teammate, who spent only one season at UCLA and then immediately went to the NBA because of all the hype surrounding him. So if guys spend more time in college, they can avoid that. At this, like On the other hand, they can avoid that. Uh, they can take matters into their own hands and avoid that, that uh, harsh criticism by fans being a rookie or second-year player in the NBA. So uh, Brandon Ingram, going back to Brandon Ingram, I really like his progress and uh, – He's a valuable member of the Lakers team and especially of the young core. 
Now switching gears back to the MLB. So Tim Tebow is, quote, one step away from the MLB, from the big leagues. This is what uh, the new New York Mets general manager, Brody Van Wagenen, said on a on an interview on WFAN Radio. If Tim Tebow is the best offensive player in AAA, he's going to be in the lineup. That's that's something that he said, quote, that's a, that, as well, that's a direct quote. Uh, this isn't surprising to me, at least, since uh, it was announced last month that he would start the season in AAA and not AA. So if, it, if that wasn't announced and then all of a sudden this guy comes on the radio and says that, then I would be surprised this would be big news. But it was already public knowledge, public information that Tim Tebow would be in AAA to start the season. So obviously what that means since he's in AAA, which is the, the one level below the major leagues, that means that he's one step away from the major leagues. I mean, <laughs> that's all it is. And um, so... In MLB spring training, Tim Tebow has been pretty bad. You know, he went at 545 with a 111 batting average in 16 appearances. And in 2017, he was pretty disappointing in single A. He had a 226 batting average, but he really impressed a lot of people, including me, turned some heads when he hit 273 with six home runs, 14 doubles, 36 RBIs in 84 games in double A. So that's why he got the promotion to triple A. And the New York Mets obviously are one of the worst teams in baseball. So they can afford to have a guy like Tim Tebow possibly be in the major leagues, especially because uh, you know they sell they would sell way more tickets because it's the hype around him the former NFL player he's just a um, very uh, famous athlete and you know if the team is bad he might might as well make some money sell some tickets have Tim Tebow play for the New York Mets in the major leagues why not so now switching gears um back to the NFL Kelvin Benjamin I did not think he would be signed by a team but I'm wrong he was signed and he was signed by the Kansas City Chiefs to a one-year deal this is uh, re- this was reported by Adam Schefter of ESPN. So he was released by the Buffalo Bills on December 4th. That's only two days ago. I covered that on uh, episode number 189. He was traded from the uh, from the Carolina Panthers to the Buffalo Bills in October 2017. In 2017, he had 16 catches for 217 yards, only one touchdown in uh, six games. So far this season, he's had 23 catches for 60 uh, on 62 targets. For 354 yards, only one touchdown again, but this time in 12 games, he had uh, double the games. Uh, Vic, Carucci, Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News called him a, quote, big-time bust in every uh, in every sense of the term. Um, so Kelvin Benjamin has been pretty controversial since after he was traded to the Buffalo Bills uh, last season. I think this was last season. Uh, he said that the reason why he wasn't very successful with the Carolina Panthers as a wide receiver was because of quarterback Cam Newton which I thought was extremely disrespectful. Cam Newton is an above-average quarterback in the NFL. And Kelvin Benjamin, I agree with Vic Carucci, is much more of a bust than he is a successful NFL player. So, you know, if you're not performing, take the, take the accountability and admit that it's you and not someone else. And then, you know, he declined to work with Buffalo Bills quarterback rookie Josh Allen prior to a game versus the Houston Texans on October 14th, so just more drama and behavioral issues. No room for that. I mean, there's room for that if you're someone like Odell Beckham Jr., who's an extremely talented uh, wide receiver, arguably the, one of the best to ever do it, uh, and, and he's in his mid-20s, but you're Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, um, among football fans, you're known, but you're you're known uh, more for being a bust than for being a talented player, but that's not my business. Uh, now switching gears to the NBA, this was, uh, this was shocking. This is the second last notable news story of this episode. Uh, will Carmelo Anthony sign with the Lakers? LeBron James is reportedly interested in Carmelo Anthony signing with the Los Angeles Lakers, according to Joe Varden of the Joe Varden of the Athletic. So LeBron thinks Carmelo could help the young roster kind of develop, uh, especially since there's some injuries right now. Uh, currently, 
or so far this season, there have been uh, quite a bit of injuries for the Lakers. But right now, Rajon Rondo is uh, sidelined due to a hand injury. And Brandon Ingram, as I covered earlier on this episode, uh, is out with an ankle injury. And, um, oh yeah, this actually isn't the second to last one. But anyway, so Carmelo Anthony, uh, this may be, you know, LeBron may be wanting Carmelo Anthony because Michael Beasley has been underperforming. And I'm kind of upset that Michael Beasley is on the team because essentially what we could have uh, re-signed Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez, noted that if LeBron would come, he would stay with the team for, he was making 20 million or so last season. He said that he would take an extreme pay cut to play with LeBron and the Lakers and stay. And uh, the Lakers didn't do that. They basically told him to go take a hike and they signed Michael Beasley instead, who has been uh, underachieving. And that's an extreme understatement. So we could have had a, a center rotation of JaVale McGee, Tyson Chandler, and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez um, made like, I, I think it was 10 or 11, 10 or 11, three pointers in a game for the Milwaukee Bucks this season. So we could have had a very, uh, very athletic three-point uh, shooting center, three-point making shoot uh, center, who would be a great veteran kind of role model and leader for the young guys, for Lonzo, Ingram, Kuzma, you know, Josh Hart, guys like that. Svi, Mo Wagner, especially for Mo Wagner, who's a fellow center rookie for the Lakers. But instead, we got Michael Beasley, who, you know, hasn't really done anything. But anyway, going back to Carmelo. Um, the news about Michael Beasley possibly, the reason being Michael Beasley underperforming was reported by Mark Stein of the New York Times. So Carmelo last played on November 8th, about a month ago for the uh, Houston Rockets. Uh, his situation was he was waived by the Atlanta Hawks after getting traded to the Hawks from the Oklahoma City Thunder, who he played last season for. Um, the, Nick, the New York Knicks traded him to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, this season, he, aver- he wasn't bad. He averaged 13.4 points. Shot 40.5% from the floor, 5.4 rebounds in 29.4 minutes a game for the Rockets. He was released, though, after only 10 games. The Rockets started 4-6 and to the season. Um, And uh, the the Los Angeles Lakers and Miami Heat were both reportedly interested in the uh, acquiring Carmelo in the offseason before he signed with the Rockets. Uh, So when I first was thinking about it, when the Rockets cut Carmelo and I was talking with fellow Laker fans about the possibility of signing Carmelo Anthony, I was totally against it. But I'm kind of, um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, you know, the biggest fan of. I'm, I like Carmelo as an offensive player, but at this point of, in his career, I'm definitely not his biggest fan. You could definitely say that. Um, but I have to admit, I am kind of warming up to the idea of the Lakers signing Carmelo because he, we don't have any shooters at all, really. I mean, we're horrible from the three point line, so we could use some shooters. And Carmelo Anthony is just that. He's an offensive minded player, plays no defense at all. So we could have him. I would love to have him, honestly, as a guy off the bench, like a, a bench guy, not a sixth man, a bench guy, a guy who's mostly on the bench, but he comes on in the fourth quarter, third, fourth quarter, just makes threes uh, and definitely not pay him any money, pay him the veteran minimum. Same thing he was making in Houston. I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's uh, doing him a favor if an NBA team even gives him a chance. And if they do, it's only because he's, his name is Carmelo Anthony, not because of the production and uh, and or what he could bring to the table. So, But again, as I said, I wouldn't mind using a roster spot on him. It's pretty crazy. A few years ago, people would be would, would uh, hear that sentence, not, not mind uh, using a roster spot for Carmelo Anthony, and they would call you crazy because he was such a uh, talented and good offensive player. But people just, you know, father time is undefeated. They fall off a cliff, like my boy Max Kellerman likes to say on first take on ESPN and you know age just catches up with them so now switching gears to college football the college football awards are happening or happened today the um, 
winners were announced. This is before we're now two days away from the Heisman Trophy winner being announced. And uh, the Mark, the Maxwell Award, um, basically the player of the year, uh, Tua Tagovailoa took it home, quarterback from Alabama. He's had an outstanding season this year, 3,353 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, passing touchdowns, four interceptions, 190 rushing yards, and five rushing touchdowns. And he, he's completed like 66.7% of his passes, so just insane. Uh, the Chuck Bednarik Award, also known as Defensive Player of the Year Award, was won by Josh Allen. Uh, not to be confused with the Josh Allen, <laughs> the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, uh, defensive back from Kentucky, had 84 tackles, 14 sacks, five forced fumbles. Uh, and he he was a part of the um, University of Kentucky team that uh, went 9-3 and three this season, a very successful season for Kentucky. They're obviously known for their extremely su- successful college basketball program, not their football. So a great season for Kentucky, and that's a, probably a big reason why he took home this award. And the Daly O'Brien Quarterback Award was won by Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. 4,053 yards, 40 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, 892 rushing yards, 11 rushing touchdowns. So it's really tough. You know, who's the Heisman uh, Heisman Award winner? Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins, Tua Tagovailoa, Kyler Murray. I think... I think it should be Kyler Murray. I give him the edge over Tua because, you know, I got a lot of love for Tua because he came on last season in in the national championship game. Nobody knew who he really what who he was really. Uh, came in for Jalen Hurts. Clemson was beating Alabama in the title game, and he just took over. He 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 led Alabama to the championship, and he never looked back. He he was replaced by Jalen Hurts in the SEC championship game versus Georgia, but that was because Tua was injured. So you have to keep that in mind. Anyway, I give Kyler the slight favorite. So let's see. Kyler has f- 500 more yards, three more passing touchdowns. Uh, he does have three more interceptions than Tua. Uh, he has, man, he has 800 more rushing yards and five more rushing touchdowns. So in terms of head-to-head statistics, uh, Kyler Kyler Murray uh, beats beats Tua Tagovailoa in the head-to-head stats. But not looking at that, I give the edge to Kyler because Alabama overall is a mo- I wouldn't say much, but they're definitely clearly uh, the superior college superior college football team. Oklahoma, all they have is their insane offense, their dynamic offense. They have no defense at all. Alabama is much more uh, all around. They have a great offense, great defense, great special teams, great coach, great everything. Oklahoma only has a great offense. So that that's the only reason why I give Kyler the edge because Alabama is just a better overall team. So Kyler is making the most of what he has. I mean, that's my reasoning. I think it's extremely close. I think both have a legitimate argument for winning it. Also, don't forget about Dwayne Haskins, but I think he deserves to win it as well. But, you know, because of Tua and uh, Kyler, there's just no way Dwayne's going to win it. Although I, I would like to see it uh, just to kind of shock the world and surprise everyone that's uh, going debating between Tua and Kyler. Just give it to Dwayne. That would be pretty funny, but it's never going to happen. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Alabama versus Oklahoma in the college football playoff semifinals. Uh, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray versus Kyler Murray, excuse me, versus Tua Tagovailoa. Um, the two guys that I was just talking about. I think Alabama is going to win it. They're just a much better team. But it's going to be interesting to see if, um, because Tua Tagovailoa came out. I said he was injured in the SEC championship game versus Georgia. Jalen Hurts replaced him, um, in the same building where Tua replaced Jalen in the national championship game last year. But anyway, uh, Tua should be ready. He injured his ankle. He's gonna need, he's gonna need surgery if he didn't already have it. And uh, he should be ready. The, the recovery timetable is about two weeks. So he should be ready for the practices leading up to the college football playoffs in my final versus Oklahoma. 
So if he is ready, it's going to be interesting to see if he's, he's if he's fully recovered or if he's still a little bit injured uh, going up against Kyler. So is that is the uh, injured ankle or you know not fully recovered ankle? I should say going to be a factor for Alabama and Tua. Will they go with Jalen Hurts? So that makes it much more interesting since um, Tua is going to have to be recovering from the injury, while Kyler will probably you know knock on wood will probably be probably be healthy. So. Anyway, that's that. Switching gears to the last notable news story of this episode. Uh, Thursday night football was today. Since today was Thursday night, the Jacksonville Jaguars played the Tennessee Titans. Must win for the Titans, who came in at six and six. If they wanted to, um, you know, if they want to stay, if they wanted to stay alive in the in the in the hunt for the uh, for a playoff spot in the AFC. So the Titans are are still in the hunt after a thirty to nine Thursday night football win versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars are definitely. Um, out of contention, they dropped to four and nine. Derrick Henry, the former running back from Alabama, had 238 yards with four rushing touchdowns, including a 99-yard uh, touchdown run. Only the second player in NFL history to uh, have a 99-yard touchdown run. Cody Kessler, the quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, not Blake Bortles, he was benched. Uh, Kessler won 28 of 43, 240 yards with a tu- with one touchdown. Former USC quarterback, and Leonard Fournette, the Jackson, the Jacksonville, the Jaguars running back for from LSU came back from a one game suspension and he had um, uh, 36, 14 carries for 36 yards. And that's about it. So taking a look at the NFL standings, this was the first game of week 13. The Titans are now seven and six and in the AFC South. They're in second place. Uh, now they have won two straight games, but they're behind the, the, the uh, division leading Houston Texans who are at nine and three. They won nine straight games, the longest active winning streak in the NFL since the New Orleans Saints have lost They had uh, 10 wins in a row. But the Titans, they're seven and six, still in the playoff hunt, five and one at home, two and five on the road. They need a better, they need they need to figure something out on the road. They're only, uh, let's see, they're only a game ahead of the third place Indianapolis Colts, who are at six and six. They did their, lose their last game, but they're at six and six. So if the Colts win uh, their game week week thirteen, then they're tied with the Tennessee Titans for second place in the AFC South. And let's see who the Colts play. Oh man, the Colts play the Houston Texans uh, December 9th at 10 a.m. That game is going to be on uh, CBS. So it's a divisional matchup, AFC South, third place, possibly going to move into second if they win versus first place. So if the Colts win and the Texans lose, uh, if the Colts win and the Texans lose, then the Colts and Titans will both be at seven and six in second place, and the Texans will be at nine and four. So there will be about a two game difference uh, between the Tennessee Titans and Tennessee Titans and Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. So, ladies and gentlemen, this was uh, all we have for episode number 191 of Sean Sports. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you guys on episode number, on episode number 182. And just uh, nothing to say except take it easy.